0: Our spiritual theme for the month of May is curiosity. (laughs) That thing that mothers love. (laughs) But I'm going to invite us this morning to celebrate or honor or mark this Mother's Day with curiosity and an open heart. It's my hope today that together we can make space. A loving, affirming space for all those who mother, irrespective of gender and life experience. And that we can make space for everything that mothering is. Both for the beauty and the joy and the life it brings, and for the suffering and grief that goes along with it. So I invite us to enter into the spirit of worship with these words from the Reverend Lilia Cuervo. Reverend Lilia was and remains a pioneer in Unitarian Universalism, one of the very first, she may have been the first, but I didn't check the dates, the very first Latinx women ministers in our movement. I am proud and happy to call her friend and colleague, and I am even more proud and happy to follow in her footsteps. This is called Endearments for Mother's Day. She says, from the time I was a baby, my mother often displayed her love for me by reciting a list of endearments, such as, mi chiquitica linda, mi preciosa, criaturita hermosa, mi alegría, la hija más amada en el mundo, el tesoro de mi corazón. Loosely translated, this litany would go something like this, my cute little one, my precious, my beautiful child, my joy, the most beloved little daughter in the world, my heart's treasure. The overture to her list was the sound of endearment, ...accompanied by the question, who loves you so much? I'm sure that after I die, my children and grandchildren will remember some of the ways I manifested my love and care for them. I trust with all my heart that one of those ways will be my reciting the special litany of endearing names I developed just for them just as I remember my mother showering me with her litany of endearments now that she is gone.
1: This is a reading from Maya Angelou. Mother, a cradle to hold me. It is true I was created in you. It is also true that you were created for me. I owned your voice. It was shaped and tuned to soothe me. Your arms were molded into a cradle to hold me, to rock me. The scent of your body was the air perfumed for me to breathe. Mother, during those early dearest days, I did not dream that you had a large life which included me, for I had a life which was only you. Time passed steadily and drew us apart. I was unwilling. I feared if I let you go. You would leave me eternally. You smiled at my fears, saying, I could not stay in your lap forever. That one day you would have to stand, and where would I be? You smiled again. I did not. Without warning, you left me, but you returned immediately. You left again and returned. I admit quickly, but relief did not rest with me easily. You left again, but returned. You left again, but returned. Each time you re-entered my world, you brought assurance. Slowly, I gained confidence. You thought you know me, but I did know you. You thought you were watching me, but I did hold you securely in my sight, recording every moment, moment memorizing your smiles, tracing your frowns. In your absence, I rehearsed you. The way you had of singing on a breeze while a sob lie at the root of your song. The way you posed your head so that the light could caress your face. When you put your fingers on my hand and your hand on my arm, I was blessed with a sense of health, of strength and very good fortune. You were always the heart of happiness to me, bringing nuggets of glee, sweets of open laughter. I loved you even during the years when you knew nothing, and I knew everything. I still loved you, condescendingly, of course, for my high perch of teenage wisdom. I spoke sharply <laughs> of you often because you were too slow to understand. I grew older and was stunned to find how much knowledge you had gleaned, <laughs> and so quickly. Mother, I have learned enough now to know I have learned nearly nothing. On this day when mothers are being honored, Let me thank you that my selfishness, ignorance, and mockery did not bring you to discard me like a broken doll, which had lost its favor. I thank you. You still find something in me to cherish, to admire, and to love. I thank you,
0: Mother. I love you. Thank you for selecting that that beautiful reading, Tanya. So I want to start by talking with you some about one of our famous ancestors in faith, Unitarian Julia Ward Howe. Some of you may have have heard of her. She is mostly known today, if at all, for writing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which is kind of a fearsome title for, for a song. But in 1870, after she had seen and lived through the devastation of the Civil War in the United States. And then the Franco-Prussian War. Julia Ward Howe, who was a daughter of privilege, uh, she was the child of a banker, Julia Ward Howe issued a Mother's Day proclamation. And in this proclamation, she called on all of the women in the world she didn't call on the mothers she called on all the women of the world to join together in order to make peace and in her proclamation she says arise all women who have hearts whether your baptism be that of water or of tears say Firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Let that sink in. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We, women of one country, will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs." From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own. It says, disarm, disarm. The sword of murder is not the balance of justice. Mothering is more than biology. And in a day and a time when our biology is being increasingly controlled, it is worth remembering that mothering, at least in the eyes of some of our ancestors in faith, mothering can also mean fiercely loving the world into freedom. (coughs) I told you that Julia Ward Howe was was a daughter of privilege, she was. Her father was a wealthy and well-known banker, and she came from a prominent family in New York. She became a Unitarian when she heard some of the preaching of William Ellery Channing, whose famous Baltimore sermon occurred almost exactly 200 years ago. She married a man who she appears to have fallen in love with at first sight. He was 18 years older than she was, and someone who was famous in his own right for his, well, Calvinism, but also for his, for his zeal to do good in the world. In her estimation, her husband was in love with another man for basically his his whole life. She once told him that he should have married his lover and become a friend of hers. But aside from that it it appears that he treated her fairly poorly and, and controlled her, her money and controlled her life and, and demeaned her for her gifts, which were writing and speaking. Eventually she became a well known preacher. As in 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 her own right. At one point, she asked him for a divorce, and he agreed. But the condition was that if they divorced, he would retain custody of their two youngest children, and she would not be allowed to see them again. And this was a condition that she wasn't willing to accept. So they remained married until until he he uh, he died. Julia Ward Howe convened the first. National Gathering of Woman Ministers in the United States in 1875, which makes her, in some ways, a mother to me, too. One last fact about her that I thought was kind of fun. She was, you know, she she had a lecture circuit. She was the first woman to be voted into the American Academy of, of Letters and Sciences, and she was sought out as a mentor. She once advised a young woman, study Greek, my dear. It's better than a diamond necklace. (laughs) Well, I've studied Greek, and I don't have a diamond necklace, so I'm in no position to to gauge the seriousness of of her advice. We have, you and I, a legacy in our movement of wanting and needing and seeing the justice and pushing the boundaries of these definitions of what it means to be family, what it means to be mother, what it means to be woman for that matter in our world. And my invitation this morning is for us to take up that legacy and to not only honor all of our mothers, all of those who mothered us, but also to honor everything that mothering entails. Now, I love greeting cards. And Mel, I love the card that you got. I want one. I don't know. I can afford to wait 54 years, but we'll see. (laughs) I love to send them. I love to receive them. But here's the truth. They cannot convey all of the complexity of what this experience is. This experience that can, you know, span from wild joy to wild grief from, I can't wait for them to get out of my house to, oh my God, it all went by so fast. It all went, and they tell you that when when the kids are little and at at least I didn't believe them, (laughs) but they were Right. Dear ones, I want us to honor all of it and especially those parts of it that are sometimes really hard to talk about. I want us to make space for that brave and loving and terrifying decision to undergo an abortion. I want us to make space for that brave and loving and terrifying choice to adopt or to give our child into adoption. The brave and loving and sometimes terrifying choice not to bear children or the pain of having that choice taken from us and not having anything we can do about it. I know that this is a day of glorious celebration. Look at these flowers. I want a picture before they all disappear. <laughs> They're so beautiful. They are you. They are you. They are us. I'm very fortunate. I, my husband is very savvy. I woke up this morning to a, a potted sunflower um, little bush. <laughs> He knows me well, and a beautiful note. But I also know that it's a mixed blessing day. Some of you talked about this really eloquently already this morning. It's a mixed blessing day and sometimes a difficult day, maybe because of what we have lost, maybe because of of what we cannot forgive ourselves for, not yet anyway, that time when all they wanted was a hug and we didn't have the space, or all they needed was just two more minutes of patience, and that patience wasn't there, for not understanding what they were trying to say or not responding in the, w- in the way that, in hindsight, we wish we could. And we're given this report card, aren't we? You are a good mother. We give ourselves that report card. And usually, at least when I hear it, it means, well, your kids turned out okay. (laughs) Whatever that means. So we get this good grade and, gosh, it means a lot to be a member of that Good Mothers Club, isn't it? But those we mother don't always cooperate with our desire to earn membership into that club. Sometimes they don't have it in them. I remember buying a book in desperation one time. It was called Raising the Spirited Child. <laughs> I said, oh, so that's what we're calling them now, is it? <laughs> How about devil Spawn? <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> have you met my children? <laughs> Well, it was kind of a helpful book, but I still laugh about the title, Spirited. I wonder how long it took them to figure that one out. So yeah, I mean, our children don't always cooperate. And sometimes, God bless them, they do enjoy vexing us. We can still find the space to forgive ourselves and always to begin again in love. Sometimes we can't forgive those who failed to mother us. We can't forgive them because maybe they weren't there. Maybe they were busy with their own needs. Maybe they couldn't give us what they didn't have. Maybe they were taken from us. Maybe they failed to protect us. I want you to know for those of you who hold that, who carry that as your story, I want you to know that it's possible that forgiveness is not in the cards today. and may not be in the cards tomorrow, but it can happen. I want you to know that it can. And that in the meantime, you are loved. held we have our families of origin and we have our families of choice don't we and whether that forgiveness comes or doesn't come it will come in its right time but even so we can begin again in love I say this all the time so forgive me for repeating myself but dear ones love wins And if love hasn't won, it isn't over. Unitarian Universalism teaches us to always return to affirming life, to always return to that place where we begin in love. It teaches us to love ourselves so that we can love others and change the world tiny little goals we have in our faith and in this world that judges our mothering based on the outcomes of completely independent human beings we can make a different choice we can choose to honor all that is in our human experience of mothering we can grieve what we need to grieve and begin again in love we can choose Instead of judging one another, we can choose to affirm and support one another. Somebody said it this morning. We can look at one another and say, I know you and I did the best we could. In that moment, we did the best we could. And when we know better, we do indeed do better. And when we choose to recognize and support one another, we recognize that every child needs many mothers in order to feel safe and in order to thrive in this world. Mothers who are grandmothers, mothers who are tias and tios and uncles and friends of the family. Mothers who are women, who are men, who are non-gender, binary, who are transgender. Everyone brings their own gifts to this communal venture that is raising our beloved children. Every child needs mothers who are artists and writers and patient and impatient. And yeah, even preachers. although PKs do have a hard time. Mothers who are June Cleaver and mothers who don't bake cookies. Every child needs every one of us in this room to model what it looks like to be our fullest selves our fullest, most joyful selves. You and I probably wouldn't be here today if we hadn't had lots of folks mothering us. And I know I wouldn't be who I am. I shared earlier a reading from uh, Reverend Lilia Cuervo So I met Reverend Lilia four or five years ago when the Finding Our Way uh, Home conference was in Philadelphia. And she was so excited to to, to meet me, and I was so excited to meet her. She found out that I was was preaching that Sunday in my church in Mount Airy, and the conference was like in Center City. And she says, Maria, I'm going to go. And I thought, yeah, right, how many times do people say that? And they never showed up. Well, soon enough, on Sunday, on Sunday morning, there she was in the front row right in front of me. Oh, que lindo, she goes. She beamed at me through the entire service. I can't tell you what that meant to me. She mothered me in that moment. My own mother didn't live long enough to even know that I had gone into the ministry. That meant so much to me to have that elder come and, and be with me. You know, I got really mad when my mother-in-law, almost 30 years ago, who who knows why, really liked me. and She would say, I'm not your mother-in-law. She would say, I'm your mother in love. Very sweet. On the other hand, I got really mad and I'll tell you why and I never shared this with her because I knew somehow that a that would be hurtful unnecessarily and that I would probably grow through it which which I eventually did but I thought I have my mother you're not my mother you're trying to replace my mother I had that that thing that little kid thing like my mother is mine over the years I grew to understand I grew to understand what that meant. What generosity of spirit there is around us that all these people are here to share their gifts. And she shared hers with mine and, and with our, our, our children. And there are many others. I, I won't go into all of it with you. But that's the legacy that I am inviting us all into this morning to recognize and to honor the presence in our lives of this nurturing, this loving us into the space where we can love ourselves and change the world. It's revolutionary. It really is. Amen, ashe, and blessed be. So, dear ones, normally we would sing, but we're going to sing in a little while. We're going to have our flower communion right now. I'm going to start by sharing a little bit with you. Some of you know this story, but for those of you who don't, I, will, I, will, uh, I hope this is interesting So the flower communion is a actually well-loved tradition in Unitarian Universalism. And I love to tell the story of how it came about. It was created and given to us by the founder of the Unitarian Church in Czechoslovakia, Dr. Norbert Chapek. And it was first used on June 4, 1923. So it's been around for a while. Dr. Chapek wanted to create a ritual that would bring people together. And he wa- he turned to the beauty of the countryside and to flowers to create a communion service that would stand in in contrast to the bread and wine that is used in Catholic rituals. By the way, I have to tell you, this is completely off the topic, but I can't help myself. I saw this great thing <laughs> like Lunchables that our communion, like a little thing of, in a packet, plastic packet, a little thing of wine and a wafer for communion on the go. <laughs> I think that is so awesome. Anyway, I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. So it was his wife who actually brought the flower communion to the United States and to one of our congregations in, in Massachusetts, and she was actually the one who convinced him to leave the Baptist faith and become a Unitarian. When the Nazis took control of Prague in 1940, they took notice of Dr. Czapek's Unitarian preaching. In their court records, it says they found that his message of the inherent worth and beauty of every human being was, and I quote, too dangerous to the Reich for him to be allowed to live. I invite you again, dear ones, to take a moment to recognize the courage and the power of our faith tradition. Today and almost 80 years ago, they took Dr. Chapek to the infamous Dachau camp where he was killed in 1941 during what the Nazis called medical experimentation. But look at these flowers this morning, and know that his message of hope and human decency could not be erased. It is our message of hope and human decency, and it's the reason we're here. So dear ones, Tanya and I would like to begin by bringing flowers to those of you who prefer to remain seated. Would you mind just raising your hand? And we'll bring them around, some of you who might be more comfortable. Okay. And at this time, I invite all the rest of you to come up and select a flower. Just please make sure you select one that's different from the ones you brought. No flower chauvinism here. Please come forward. you look so beautiful. (laughs) Handle your chosen flower carefully. Remember that it is a gift that someone else has brought for you. It represents that person's unique humanity and deserves your kindest touch. I'm going to close today with a prayer that Dr. Chapek wrote just before He was put to death. He was reflecting on his own life and the state of his spirit. He says it is worthwhile to live and fight courageously for sacred ideals. Oh, blow ye evil winds into my body's fire. My soul you'll never unravel even though disappointed a thousand times or fallen in the fight, lived amidst eternity. Be grateful, my soul. My life was worth living. The one who was pressed from all sides but remained victorious in spirit is welcomed into the choir of heroes. The one who overcame the fetters giving wing to the mind, is entering into the golden age of the victorious. Amen.